Lose of my mind are an enigma. That lumen stuff online works. Lumen stuff. What's that? Like the face cream that reverses aging for men. It's like lotions and stuff designed for men to get like bags and stuff. Works. And you're giving me shit for drinking White Claw? Speaking of White Claw, we have a White Claw Summer, our first sponsor of the show. If you haven't had their hard seltzer, then you're missing out. Hashtag White Claw Summer. Anyways, after that little spot, uh, this guy's talking about face cream for men. I mean, yeah, but you're giving me shit for White Claw. Yeah, because I drink bourbon and smoke cigars while I have lotion on my face. No one wants an ashy fool. No one wants an ashy face motherfucker walking around them. Okay, there's lotion and then there's well, yours is a cleaning cream, right? No, it's who lotion. washes their what man washes their face? I'm just playing. Shout out to the millions of men who are covered in acne. Millions of men's. Yeah, millions my brother's actually going through it right now. He's yeah. 19, <laughs> and uh, I think he's like growing out of it now. But yeah. I mean, it really hit him hard. He was just like, "Oh man, like I got a pancake face," and I was like, "Dude, oh man, like you know, well, there's guys a lot worse than you have I've, it right now." Yeah. I've seen one guy where it looked like. Like, do you remember that old that story way back? Or not a story. I don't know if people saw, but it was like it was like nuclear like decay on their face, where it looked like their face was being like destroyed by yeah. flesh eating bacteria or something like that. Yeah, like that with acne, like that. Like it was his entire face, and I was just like, "You could be the ultimate poster job for proactive." Oh man, <laughs> no, no it, it's 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 kind of sad when you see it because it's just like you know it it's genetic too, so it's like yeah. to an extent. I mean, the best advice I give someone is like, just don't touch your face. That's what it is. Like, are you transferring oils that from your fingertips that you touch, like mm-hmm. everything else, like your surfaces, and then you touch your face? Yeah. So if you don't touch your face as much or try not to, you'll see less of it. Yeah. That was that was the issue for me. And I, when I stress, I break out too. Oh, so that's okay. why I meditate a lot, so I don't break out as much. You know what's weird is, is that like through that adolescent stage, yeah. there's so many things that can trigger just a breakout. Like, like you said. Touching your face. Um, also, like, what a, it was this was afterwards when I was yeah. just learning about um, a little bit more. Um, like, towels, like, instead of dabbing your face, like, if you just, you know, mm-hmm. I just rub my face all over the mm-hmm. place and, like, that'll cause you to break out. It's crazy. You remember when we were younger, the, the, the thing to use was like those little alcohol pads? Yeah. That's yeah. actually really bad for your skin because it's so dry. Or yeah, dries because it out. alcohol it dries out your skin, which causes you to have more acne. <laughs> Isn't it, uh, was it oil? I thought it was oil that makes it, or just dirt. It's a combination of both, right? Foreign uh, oil uh, can, but if you dry out your skin, your body's going to feel dry. It might cause a reaction for you to have like little bumps. Yeah. And then if you start touching your face again, it creates and turns into acne or something like that. Oh man. Because I use those pads for like a year straight and my acne got worse. And then I just stopped and I just used soap and water. Went away. Yeah, it all went away. crazy. And I just I started controlling my stress levels. It all went away. You know, I'm I'm kind of uh, <laughs> reluctant to say this, but I actually have. Uh, was it the not the proactive creams? But um, there's another company that women use. But yeah. anyways, I have it for for men. Yeah, and it has like you know the first step cleanser mm-hmm. and then all that stuff. And because yeah. I, I was looking at, it, I was like, man, I'm I'm kind of seeing like a little bit yeah, of aging exactly. going on. Like, exactly. I thought black don't crack. Like what what is this? Exactly. So. <laughs> you have to take. Precautions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, apologies, listeners. We got into a little rant before we uh, get into our main subject today. Yes. Uh, so we wanted to talk about, or at least touch on, uh, some of the things that uh, really define success today uh, is a personal thing and also the pressures of society as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that you're um, seeing on television and all that stuff, does that warp your, your sense of success? So, uh, we wanted to dive that in, dive into that today, and uh, let's start off with some, uh, s- some like you know, just a Thanks thesis. Yeah, let's go. So, I mean, <clears throat> if we're trying to define success, right? Uh, I'm one of those people where I believe success is defined differently by the individual, right? Um, for some people, it's making a, a boatload of money. For other people, it's being happy with what they do. For other people, it's helping people. You know, it's everyone has their own definition for it, right? And then you have a guy kind of like myself where I think a little bit of everything is good. Everything in moderation, right? Yeah. So I think that also kind of tethers to my my definition of success. If I can make good money, help people and do what I like at the same time, then for me, that is success in life and in all purposes, right? But you have to think of it where is success only tethered to your career, right? Is there a success? There has to be success in other parts of your life besides just your career. You can be successful in your personal life. You can be successful in your social life. You can be successful in your career. Obviously Mm -hmm. you can be successful physically 
and mentally in regards to your health, right? There are so many different ways in which you can be successful in life. So the question now becomes is how do we become successful overall? Right. If you look at your, like your life in a giant pie wheel, for example, it's like, you know, um, say 25% is your job, 25% is your family, 25% is your social life, and then 25% is your extracurriculars. Where do you where do you kind of work the hardest to become successful in one category when you should be aiming to make, you know, all the categories successful? You know, how do you do that? And how do you define that as a goal? Like, how do you how do you define success in your social life? Yeah. How do you define success in your in your personal life, your romantic life, your your physical life, where you're exercising, you're taking care of your health? Like, do you consider that a, a success if you have perfect health, or if you can run a mile in a certain time, or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all it's all um it's kind of like a moot moment. Like, you can it's all dependent on yourself as an individual how you define what is success. Mm-hmm. So. Right, let's start with that question. How do you just, how do you define success? Yeah. So I'll start off by saying like, you know, everyone internally or like just inherently knows that uh, defining success to them is obviously up to them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we get caught up in the other lenses that show up. So we have our family that's giving us a lens where it's just like, Hey, this is what's successful. You need to do well in school. You need to have a great career. You need to make more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. You need to have a family. You have to have two kids by this time. All these are hard numbers that we kind of strive for Mm -hmm. and they're not really our own goals. And I, you know, I bring in goals because obviously these are things that we want and to be successful, you need to accomplish the things that we want to do. Um, so we know that in internally, but we kind of have that warped sense where society or other people are having their two cents, giving you these suggestions and sometimes their pressures to uh, have a higher bar or not, not a higher bar, but a different bar to actually strive for when it has nothing to do with your lens. So what <clears throat> defines success for me um, in my personal life is to first have a healthy balance in a lot of different things. I'm more of a jack of all trades. I like to be successful in a lot of different things, whether it be family, um, my lifestyle, as far as health, uh, also in the things that I do, like I, I strive to be the best, but I know that, that, in order to be the best, you have to make sacrifices mm-hmm. and everything else suffers. So if you want to be the best, um, you know, I, let's say stock exchange broker, like you have to put in the hours and like your family is going to suffer mm-hmm. your relationships are going to suffer. So I want to have a balance where I can be very, very good at something, but also, um, manipulate my life to where I can also have balance in the, those other areas and, yeah. you know, do that to the best of my ability as well. But, you know, just really have a, have a balance and, you know, not have anything suffer too much mm-hmm. um, and make those sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm very much, very much the same way. Jack, a Jack of many trades. Uh, I like to be successful in everything I can. Uh, but I know I'm a realist like that doesn't happen. You have mm-hmm. to sacrifice to get success in other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that in different phases of my life where I really had a successful social life where I had a lot of friends, a lot of connections, a lot of influence and here and there. And then my personal life would suffer where I wasn't spending as much time with my family or, you know, I was doing really well in school because I was studying nonstop. And then my social life kind of trickled down. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I was working, you know, I had great success in my career, uh, when I was in healthcare and, you know, my, my social life was getting up there because I was making time on my days off, but then like, I wouldn't spend enough time with my family. So like, you see, I, I completely understand where you're saying that, if you can push on one aspect, you know, you have to be willing to understand that your other, you know, parts of your life are going to suffer, but you just have to balance it out. And though that might curb your success to an extent, it will balance out the rest of the part where you can actually feel, you know, happy with the situation and continue to move forward mm-hmm. in the current situations for all parts of your life. Mm-hmm. So in that regards, I'm completely there with you. It makes complete sense to me. Like you have to be able to willing to make the sacrifice, you know, you can't pull on all the levers. Yeah. You have to pull on one at a time Yeah, and, or a little bit on everything, right? Mm-hmm. Everything in moderation. But in a real world and realistically you can't, you have to sacrifice one section to the other. Yeah. And when you're young, I think people tend to feel more when you're very young, right? When you're in high school, college, people focus on the social aspect, right? How popular you can be, how many friends can you make? How, how comfortable can you feel in your skin? Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you go into work, it's like money, 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 right? That's all you think about. 
Mm-hmm. How much money I can make? How successful can I climb the ladder? How fast can I move, learn this new technique uh, to advance my career, to go and become more prestigious, right? Yeah. That's, that's that career aspect. And then once you've kind of, you know, you work for 10 plus years, 20 years, you've kind of looked back and says, you know, I've got a solid income. I've got a solid career. Now I got to work on everything else in my life, right? Mm-hmm. I got to work on family a little bit. I got to work on socializing with other people, you know, trying to be a part of the community. I just noticed that in different uh, people's lives that when they're in these different stages, they seem to address more things than the other. Um, my parents are no, no exception to that, right? When they came to this country, they were working nonstop. My dad still works like 14 hours a day, though he claims to be retired, right? He works mm-hmm. in three different time zones. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but since he's come home from overseas from working, he puts in that effort. He makes sure, Hey, I got to spend time with my kids. I got to spend time with my family. I have to call them every day or every other day. I want to hear their voice. So he, he makes that effort and, and it, it balances out. He's so much happier now. My dad, mm-hmm. I mean, he had a blast when he was living overseas, running our, our businesses. But now that he's home, he's like, it's, it's better because I get to see you. I get to see your mom. I get to see your brother. Uh, you know, and I get to see, my grandkids, like my, my cousins who have children, he's like, I get to see them grow up. I didn't even get to see them sometimes for so long. And like, now it's different. Now I know that they were coming. I have to prepare for this. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's very interesting because the first two phases of life that I mentioned, like when you focus on your social life or when you're focusing on school, like I've lived those, but I haven't gone to that phase where it's like, work is my main career. I'm just entering that phase right now. Right. And I think you're in the same position right now. Right. Mm -hmm. You and I are both trying to focus so much on our career. Everything else kind of gets laid by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you know, everyone's human. You have to, you just have to take the good with the bad and keep moving forward. So, Mm -hmm. so let me present you this question. So um, as you were growing up, do you ever felt um, a specific case or cases where you felt that your definition of a success uh, changed or um, you came to the realization that it needed to change? And uh, how did you manage kind of segueing into that like new paradigm? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Leaving college and grad school and going into the workforce. That was, that's the change, right? Mm -hmm. My focus was getting straight A's and getting grants and scholarships to pay for school. Right. Mm -hmm. I did that for six years straight. Like I, I worked, I worked a regular job and as a dental intern all throughout college, I worked uh, at the university as a researcher for grad school. So I was constantly working, but it wasn't really focusing on like how fast or like how much money I'm making or how fast I can advance my position in my current company or wherever I was working at the time. But when I left grad school and I entered the workforce, that's where my mind automatically shifted. My parents picked up on it. They're like, before you were all about school, having fun, learning everything that you can, perfecting the technique. Now it's just career money. How much can I create and save to get to that next chapter in life? And for me, you know, the shift in, in that situation, that thought process and how I define success shifted as well. It was very simple for me because the minute I started getting bills, I was like, I need to fix this now. I yeah. need to address this. And that's, that's what kind of shocked me out of it. Like it's like taking Big a regular person, like face. you're like walking down the, like the river or something like that. And then you get pushed into the ice cold water. Oh yeah. That's what that felt like. Like, like Ooh, okay. I appreciate this uh, a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Like I went in the water, I was screaming my head off and I popped my head out. I'm like, I'm at the server. I was like, crap, I got to get to work now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a sobering experience. It's a very sober experience. It's like, okay, the party's over Now get to work. Mm-hmm. Let's get to work. Yeah. Um, so like, even like right now, like I'm trying to, we're developing this new company and you know, everyone kind of wonders like, yeah, what do you do every day? What do you do every day? Like, how are you, how are you pushing the things along? I'm like, I'm on the phone, like maybe six hours a day with different vendors, different contractors, different people calling random companies up and learning about their product. It's like, it doesn't stop. Like I kind of grew, I grew into this mentality that my, my dad's always had constantly looking for something to do or to improve on what already exists, uh, constantly working. It's just how he is. I think he kind of drilled it into me. Yeah. And now that I'm in this part of my life, 
I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> going back to like how you're, you're growing up, did you ever have, um, again, this epiphany where, um, cause when I was growing up, mm-hmm. my father, he's, he's a workaholic. Like, yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't say that he's not a workaholic. He works very, very hard, mm-hmm. but it's not like he seeks to work all the time. He spends time with, with uh, his kids and all that stuff. But, yeah. uh, 5am to 9pm, that was his work hours. He would come home and like, that was just his routine. I was like, man, you're, machine like yeah and he works out like during the day two or three times yeah and i was just like man you know i don't know how this guy does it because i don't even like doing that like Mm -hmm. i barely study which you know i was lucky that i was able to you know kind of get by (laughs) you know i I wasn't i wasn't bad in school but um you know i could have worked a lot harder yeah but i just felt like you know yeah i was like a's and b's i'm I'm cool with that yeah i don't need straight a's but be that as may um then it's not until right about this period, like, you know, about a year and a half ago when I was like, wow, I'm starting to really become like my dad. And that was because of a couple of reasons. First, I started dating my girlfriend. She has a child as well. So then mindset changed from like, oh, I'm single, only have to worry about myself to like, oh, like there's a little one and then like another person that would look to depend like so that's you know. the moment when you got pushed into the river oh of course yes. yeah it was, it was just like you know it was just a backhand like hey josh oh, look at you. yeah <laughs> so it's um i guess when i was younger when you say younger i'm assuming like high school like when we were in school right yeah high school college yeah i i was all about studying i would study like eight to ten hours a day wow it was nonstop. and when i was studying for the dat's which is the dental entrance exam basically like the mcats for yeah. dental school oh yeah i put in like 12 hours a day and so that was during summer when everyone's out and that's i hear that from everyone yeah. like i don't i don't hear a lot of people that are just like oh i'm just brilliant like yeah i'm just gonna you know slough off and mm-hmm. lot of stuff I, but i, I did have, i did marketing so you know yeah. but like when i was in high school and in college i had success Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't just in academia. I was succeeding socially. I was, uh, I was successful in my personal life too. Mm-hmm. Right. My career wasn't really going anywhere. I was an intern. Right. It's not like you're going to, they're going to bump you up to a dentist while you're an intern. Right. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, let's do this. Technically he taught me how to do a number of procedures, but, um, you know, I was successful. I did things when I was in college and when I was in high school, I broke barriers. So I, for me as an individual, I found success. But like you said, that that definition changed when I entered the workforce, right? And I've been at, what, three companies now? And now I kind of look back, I'm like, now that I'm starting my own, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to do this my way so that not only can I set myself up for success, but I can make the success last and thus give me the ability to work on the other parts of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I already know, like, I'm going to have to put in seven days a week and help run this from the ground up for the first six months. And you know what? Everyone's like, Oh, everyone keeps telling me it's going to be hard work. It's going to be so much work. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm actually looking forward to it. Like bring it on. I've been looking forward to this. So, you know, I'm one of those people where I'm hungry and I don't say like, Oh, I'm hungry for success. I'm hungry to get my hands in there Mm -hmm. and do what I can do best. Yeah. And whether that makes me successful or not, we're sure as hell going to be productive and we're going to be as successful as humanly possible. Now, if that's a perfect definition of success, when we work this new company or we're somewhat there or we're, we're mostly there, success is still success in my opinion. Yeah. Right. You're still in the green. You're still making money. You're successful. (laughs) Right. But for me overall in life, success has to be in everything. And for me right now, I'm not successful. My career is still going, still needs work. My personal life is okay. Uh, my social life is doing solid. My family life is perfect. I love my family life right now. It's yeah. awesome. But see, like, you know, I would say that you're very successful, like right now. Exactly. And then just your mentality as well. Like, that's really what we vibed off of, mm-hmm. like just from our conversations, oh, yeah. just having that mentality where it's like, eight to five working for somebody else. Like, you know, it's fine. Like I'll learn as much as I can, but mm-hmm. once I get to a point where I'm not learning anymore, I'm not challenged, then, you know, maybe I could, I should do something on my own and then I can work 14, 16 hours a day exactly. and not even blink because I'm just like, Hey, when we were working together, that's what I felt like when I left. I was like, all right, I've learned everything I can about this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going in circles now. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I left as well, actually. But, mm-hmm. you know, going back to what you just said, you view me as a successful person, yeah. though I, I myself don't see myself as a successful person. Yeah. Successful person. yeah. Um, 
it goes back to the the kind of what we were saying in the very beginning. It's mm-hmm. based on the individual's definition. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of my friends see me the same way and I would see them the same way. But mm-hmm. if, if I ask a couple of my friends, like close my, some of the guys in my crew, they'll tell you, eh, I'm somewhat successful mm-hmm. because not everything's perfect. Yeah. You know, there could be, there could be improvements there, improvements there. And they like me believe in, um, there's no such thing as perfection. There's always something to improve on. That's just the mentality that my friends grew up with. And that's something that I've always grown up with. So like for in the back of our heads, we're always going to be sitting there thinking I can always do better. I can always be, I can always do more for someone else or help someone else more. There's always something more to do. Mm-hmm. So for them, they'll always, I don't think they'll ever claim to be successful. I, I really think they'll never say that about themselves. And yeah. I personally, I don't think I'm successful. I think there's so much other stuff I could have done better or so much stuff I've done in my past that I could have done better now. Yeah. Um, and so I, like I said, I personally don't think I'm successful. Yeah. It's Eventually that, I'll get there, but it won't be for like another 10 years. It's like that mama mentality, right? It's just like, you know, it's like, what is perfection? It's like, <laughs> no, there's no such thing. It's like, cause there's always a level above. And it's just like, um, you know, I can relate to that. Yeah. Like, but it, it's success isn't a destination. It's, it's that journey. And exactly. like, uh, that's where people kind of lose sight where mm-hmm. they see someone, they say, I want to be there. Right. But really it's not just going there. It's yeah. also the process, it's the journey itself. And there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that like, I like the entrepreneurial community mm-hmm. somewhat. We, there's dark sides to it as oh, well. Yes. But a lot of the people that are just positive energy where they're just like, Hey, you know what? If you want to get here, these are the type of things that you need to be thinking about every day. You need to have gratitude. You need to have persistence, all, all that mm-hmm. other stuff, but also having that clarity of mind to know that the whole journey getting there mm-hmm. is worth the effort. Oh, so, yeah. you know, there's going to be the failures and all that stuff. That's where you get that mentality where it's like, Hey, let me just readjust and keep moving forward. Like you're mm-hmm. just going to trip up and fall, but you know, and it's kind of a cliche, just like, Oh, get back up. Like, you know, no, that, fall, makes, but, that makes complete sense. Right? But it's really drilling down. Like you have to fail in order to go forward exactly. into where you, you have are. to struggle a little bit to realize where you've come from. Yeah. Right. To get to the higher place. So that's why I say like when I was younger, I was successful, right? Because I've lived that part of the chapter, that part of the journey's over. Mm-hmm. The, the next part of our chapter, and you're in the same boat as I am, is the career part, right? When we're working the next 20 years to set up our families and et cetera. Mm-hmm. We can't say we're successful yet because we're still in the journey. Yeah. It's like and we know where we want. Like, we, it's not we, even where we want to we be. Can see the, like we, we can see the destination, but that's not. It's like saying like uh, life itself is not the end. Right. Death is not the end of life, but life itself is the journey. Yeah. Right. It's the same concept. And that's pretty much what you have to look forward after, you know, that's point. Like, it's yeah. like, okay, death is somewhere beyond there, but you're not looking forward to it. Exactly. It's more of the journey that you're savoring. Exactly. Before you have and that. And that is exactly why that's one of the reasons why I don't say I'm successful. How do I know? Mm-hmm. 10, 20 years when I have this business up and running and every other company I want to build. How will I know if it's successful or not? I don't. Mm-hmm. So right now I say I'm not successful yeah. because I haven't really done anything with it. Mm-hmm. In 10, 20 years, let's have the conversation again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also you want to frame it, uh, at least in my opinion, you really want to frame things into those short-term goals where mm-hmm. um, I actually have a journal where uh, I write in every day, plan out my different days and all that stuff. You heard it first. Josh Jacobs has a journal. Slash right. diary. Hey, it's it's manly as hell. It's called the self journal. It's you, manly as his seltzer <laughs> water. You can look it up on my website. <laughs> you can look it up on my website. You'll love it. Anyways, sorry, I'm just so, trolling. My bad. My bad. Fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I pull that out every, every day. It has a you know has three main goals, and it tells you like. You know, what are your three goals like right now uh, is to save three to six months worth of uh, cash, like, yeah. you know, just left over, pay off credit card debt. Also, um, you know, getting my side business up and running, mm-hmm. like actually making up um, probably about four grand a month. And then, you know, it breaks that down into three different steps, but also three different accomplishments, like right. many goals in, in between that. So it, it really gives you that roadmap where like, all right, these are the things that I need to do to get to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And all those little successes. And it just gives you that, that sense of just like, all right, I'm moving the needle forward. And you're not just looking at that, you know, Mount Everest and yeah. saying like, Oh, I'm not there yet. So like, you know, I'm just going to give up. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a real struggle for a lot of people now because yeah. instant gratification with everything that we have now, Uber eats, uh, all these apps that we have Tinder, obviously, you know, yeah. um, 
like everything is just right there in front of you, except mm-hmm. for, you know, those life goals. Yeah. Um, so that really helps out. I think just framing that, you know, I actually read something similar to that in a book that was written about, um, motivation and entrepreneurship and how to develop your career and go down life this way. Um, it's very similar to what you said. You want to curate miniature goals, you know, every monthly or whatever that you can acquire over time. Right. But then when you were saying that, that higher point where you want to call yourself successful, they said that was a mirage. And I, I didn't understand the, the analogy correctly at first. I had to read it, reread it a few times just to make sure I got it right. So they're basically saying, like, when you have these little goals in front of you, right, those are the ones you can knock out. Right? And that ultimate goal that's way up there is the mirage. You can see it. Right. But how do you know it's going to look exactly like it? That's the illusion. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you get there, what if it's not like that? What if it's different? What if it's better? Yeah. Right. So that's why they say it's a mirage. It's the image that you put in your head and it's tricking you because your decisions and your goals that you acquire and you reach now may ultimately lead you to a different path that might change that ultimate goal. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see that conception because it's like when you work through your life and you go through life itself and you, you meet these challenges or these situations where you're making decisions that can alter your path or change you down one or take you, lead you down one path versus another. They were saying that, you know, when you do that with your career or when you're doing that with like miniature goals and stuff like that, it's important. Mm. However, don't focus on the end goal. Like you were saying, right? Don't really look up there. Mm. That's the mirage. That's the illusion because you don't know what it's going to really look like. Mm -hmm. No one's not. Everyone's going to be a billionaire with boats, planes and jets coming out of their asses. No, most of the people live a simple, happy life, but they have everything they need. Those are the people who say, Hey, I saw the mirage. I got to the end of my life and it wasn't like that. But you know what? I had a hell of a journey getting here and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people now that are like that and they're in their retirement age, right? A little bit older. These guys who fought in wars and like Korea and Vietnam and, and stuff like that. And guys who worked for my dad. And I was just like, you know, what would you, you know, when you were younger, what did you imagine life to be like? And he's just, and a lot of them would say like, Oh, I, I always visited, pictured myself being in this giant house. So wife, kids, pick a fence, couple cars, completely different situation now. However, yeah. they all say I would never change a thing I did in my life because I had a great life. Yeah. I was like, well, what'd you guys do? And they were like, well, a couple of these guys fought like World War II, Vietnam, and et cetera, like all different areas. I met a guy, I know a guy who were fun, Desert Storm. He's like, you know, I'm a detective now, but I would never change what I did in Desert Storm because I did what I needed to do for my country. And that gave me great happiness mm-hmm. and great joy. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I understand that. And he has a good life. He doesn't regret anything. So, I mean, maybe we should define success when you get to that point in life as a life without regrets. That's, that's a big thing. Yeah. Right. Getting old. That's one of my biggest fears first getting old, but also mm-hmm. getting old and having regrets, exactly. not doing the things that I was too cowardly to actually take a chance on. And it's kind of strange. Cause as you get older, like all that stuff goes by the wayside. Like mm-hmm. I, I even feel right now, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't do when I was 19. I was just too afraid to do them. I was like, no, like I, I can't, can't go to my boss and like ask for a raise. Like I thought that was just like, no, I can you know, like, Oh, hell no. Just like never do that. You know, like stuff like just, I mean, that's not like a anecdotal example, yeah. but you know, those type of things where they just, they won't kill you. It's like, Oh, I, I can't make that video. Cause you know, I'm, I'm afraid of what people are going to say. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck of what, what other people say, exactly. just freaking do it. And then, you know, that's, that's, that's why we're sitting here right now. Exactly. How many people told me, Oh, don't do a podcast. That's going to put you out there. What if you say something that's incorrect? What if someone turns around and does something to you? I'm like, Hey, that's life. And that's, that's, that's always the, I've been a high filter person. Like yeah. all my life I've been like high filter, you know, and I've always wanted to be out there, but it's like, how can I do that when I'm, Oh, know, I, was you know I, mean? I was the complete opposite. I was outspoken. If I had an issue with it, I just fucking tell you. No, it's great though. <laughs> right. I always tell because look, it's I'm liberating. Blunt. Like I used to tell people like I'm blunt because it keeps me honest. That way, you know, I'll never fucking lie to you, but I'm going to be mean. I'm going to be blunt. And that's how, you know, I'm being honest. Real recognize real, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I had a professor who called me out one time in office hours because I called out a student who kept asking the same question over and over. And you could tell he was getting pissed off, right? Yeah. So I was like, dude, either write down the question or get the answer from one of us. And like everyone just kind of looked at me and there was like 20 people in the room and they just kind of looked at me like, he's got a fucking point. Like stop asking the same shitty question over and over. Like I don't need to know the definition of mitosis over and over. It's in a book. You can Google that. Yeah. And I was just like, we have other questions that are a little 
not little, are super hard for our final. Like, I need to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Don't waste my time with that. Because yeah. he only allowed like 12 questions for the entire hour. Wow. So you had to work with everyone that was there to figure out the questions. And this one person kept asking the same question over and over. Uh, so I was like, after the third attempt, bro, like, Dude, you're wasting our attempts. Hey, bro. <laughs> no, I just told him like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> and then I think someone else called him out too. And it was just like, damn, everyone's to, going in on it. Yeah. Because his final was like, it's make or break for like 80% of the students mm. because everyone bombed the midterm. So it's like, you have to do well in the final. Sounds like not college. It. it was straight up college. I was just not having it from this kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Hey listeners, so you may have already heard about the self-journal, actually the best self-journal that I've mentioned here on the podcast, but I wanted to introduce you the link to actually see for yourself how this is actually beneficial to your life. Now, I use it daily for my daily planner, also with my goals. Every three months, uh, I put three goals that I'm really striving for and dedicated to for that time period. So, If you want to take a look a little bit closer, you can go to bestself.co or you can use my special link at bit.ly slash jcjbest. Again, that is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash jcjbest. I'll see you over there and let's get cracking on our goals. I think it's important to... To have that mentality when you're older, where you're not kind of running into that resistance or that that barrier saying, hey, maybe I should second guess this or no, you shouldn't you shouldn't live like that. You should if you have an idea, you should run with it. That's that's my mentality. I believe in that. And you're absolutely right. When you were saying that earlier, like when you were 19, you never want to you didn't want to do a certain type of video or, you know, you didn't want to do a certain type of design or something. Now it's like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the mentality you should have had back then. Yeah. Right. Because when you're young, you can get away with all this stuff, first of all. But when you're a little bit older, you have the experience and the knowledge to not only know that, hey, there's no harm in asking or no harm in doing this. So why not take the risk? Right. But it would be better than, you know, if you did it back when you were 19, because you have the knowledge and experience to make it look better, to make it more efficient or make it proper the way you want it to. So it's not as embarrassing. You won't be thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. No, because you have a better product. Yeah. Especially if I started 10 years ago, uh, you just have that much more experience. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like that's, that's where you really come in uh, with all the other pressures, mm-hmm. people that you don't even like care about, but you care about their opinions for some odd reason. Exactly. And uh, when I hear just other people, they're talking about just like, you know what? All that stuff. Like you, I've never been inside my head about what other people thought. Mm-hmm. As far as sports go, like I was always just like, you know what? I leave it on the court. You know, they don't like it. You know, it's all about, did we get the result? If we didn't come back next time. Yeah. Work a little bit harder and get it next time. But not applying that to other areas of my life, which was just like, oh, that's real stupid. Like it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's frustrating and captivating at the same time, I think. Um, Because for me, it's like when I switch off for like certain projects or something like I don't want to be thinking about it. But one of the six guys in my head is going to be like, yeah, you're thinking about it because there's something we could always do better. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, I think that's almost a gift and a curse because I'm never going to stop thinking about it, but it's not going to be my main thought process. So like it will constantly get a little worked on or a little, little details we can augment here and there versus the main why I'm putting hundred percent effort into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, but you know, going back to what you were saying, you know, other people's opinions or, you know, what other people are kind of insinuating, it kind of just goes on, you know, what are they, or I guess the question I can ask you is your definition of success is one thing. How do you, I guess you can say, manage the expectations of what other people define as success? For example, your parents, your definition of success obviously differs from theirs. Yeah. So how do you manage their expectations of what success means or it is? So that you can continue with your life and achieving your definition of success. Yeah. And I think that's something that's very hard to manage because so one entrepreneur that I follow, he's just like, he framed it this way. He's like, why don't you just have that four or five years for five, 10 years of just awkwardness where your family looks down on you for what you do, Mm -hmm. but then you have the rest of their life to see like, wow, you really made it to what you actually wanted to do and you made it work. Mm -hmm. Like 
that relationship is so much stronger because they, they feel like the assholes. They're just like, wow, I, you know, I, I thought you were going to fail the whole time. Like you weren't serious. You're were just dicking around, but like, look what you did for yourself. Or would you rather have this resentment for the rest of your life? Because your parents told you, no, you can't do that. You need to be a doctor, even though you want to be an artist or, you know, vice versa. So yep. those type of things, um, you know, when I heard that, I was like, wow, you know, like that's, that's really how to frame it in a way. Were your parents like that with you? No. So mine were really. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I was a dentist before I went to public health. Well, see, like when you, so you never frame your family in that way, like at all, which is great because you have a great relationship with your family. Mm -hmm. Even today, even though you want to do your own thing with a gym that may not be like, Hey, you doctor yet? Like, you know, yeah. you know that type of thing. Well, see, with, with my family, it's different because uh, I'm the youngest. Out of eight grandkids, I'm the youngest, right? So for me, it was like they always – I don't want to say this because it's kind of mean to them. And if they're listening, I'm sorry. But I've always felt like they've looked down on me because, oh, you're the youngest. Your older brother does it for you. I'm like, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the one that got me into college. He wasn't the one that got me straight A's in high school. He wasn't the one that got me into grad school because he didn't get into one and I did, <laughs> right? But then like launching this business, right? I know in the back of my head, my siblings or my first cousins will turn around like, oh, yeah, Yasha has success or is safe. I, the gym takes off. It really takes off. They'll give the credit to my brother, not to me. Even though it's me running it, me and designing, putting, me operating. Putting all the front labor. All, all the, the hours. Yeah. It's me. Yeah, I know because he's got all this shit going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him for that. He's doing everything he can to help me. And I'm grateful. Yeah. But it's the others who kind of look in and say, oh, because they don't know the whole story. Oh, I'm going to just set this up for Yash and Yash is just running the show. Yeah. No, that's not true. And for that, yeah, it, it hurts. Of course. Because like like for certain events, like even for his wedding, right? I put together a couple of events and I, I did one event perfectly, right? And it was the event that I did basically everything. No one ever thought Yash did this. And they were like, oh, someone else did this. It wasn't him. And I'm like standing there. Like, are you serious? Who actually verbally said that? Yeah. Oh man. His thirtieth. His thirtieth. Remember, I told you about his thirtieth. The beer Olympics. Did this whole charade, all these kind of games. I invented life cart Mario Kart, <laughs> like life size Mario Kart while you're drunk. That is not <laughs> easy to create, zoned, and get all of your neighbors in like a mile radius to and be it's cool safe. with and safe. <laughs> and yet, not one of my family friends who attended, who's known me since I was two, said thank you. They drank my booze, ate the food, and left. I was like, wow. Some Did they fa- know that you put it on? They should have. Because it was me sending them events, me sending them evites, me calling them up. Hey, can you come out? Hey, what do you like to eat? Because I had food made in for everyone. Okay. And this was Floyd Merriweather versus McGregor fight night. So I ordered the fight too. Wow. But my brother's college friends knew I put this together. His work buddies all thanked me. Even my brother's like giving a shout out to me. But yeah, they didn't say anything. That pisses me off. Yeah. Right? So when I know I open this business, I might get a little, oh yeah, it's really Ahmed doing this. No, it's me. Yeah. You just don't give me the credit because you've heard it from someone else. And so I think, and this is not an attack against them. It's just the circumstance, right? They don't understand. They don't see the whole picture. That's, that's okay. I get that. I'm not angry at them, but I know what's coming. So it's like, all right, fine. I'll shrug it off. But in the back of my head, even since I was a little kid, I've always been looked down upon. So I've always thought I'm going to beat them at their own game. I'm going to do exactly what they did. I got into the same schools they did. I got into the same grad programs and grad schools they did. Our success levels are different right now. But if they change, I get to look back and at least I'll say this to myself and no one else. I did everything they did and I did it better. And that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm tired of people looking down at me. I can do better. I'm not going to be sheltered or handcuffed by someone else. And their expectations. Exactly. And if that leads me to success, then I'm going to be hungrier than ever to go and achieve it. Yeah. Right? And I think there's a different like dichotomy because other people in their uh, situations, I, I guess, uh, for me being uh, the oldest – in mm-hmm. my family. So it's a little bit different where I'm always the one that's reliable. You're setting the, the pace. Exactly. You're leading by example. Correct. So, so then there's the pressure of just like, Hey, like, you know, 
don't fuck this up, like, you know, type, exactly. type of deal. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's a different challenge, but also the same temp- type of mentality that you have to really have to drive you because oh, it's yeah. like, hey, I'm setting the pace, like, you know, don't slough off, like, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> our little brother is going to come, you know, pass you by, like, you know, <laughs> got a whole 10 years ahead of him. But See, I, that's the thing. I don't think that's an issue in my family. Like, oh, little brother's going to pass you up. It's just... I don't think there's ever been that conception. Maybe when we were in school, mm-hmm. we did a little bit. But then when we started entering the workforce, and my brother was in the workforce before me, obviously he's older, but it's kind of like a look back. It's like, oh, well, he's done X, X, and Y. What have you done? Right? And that's kind of how the mentality is in my family in regards to your career. It's like, oh, you've done this, this, and this. Well, what else have you done? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, fine. Well, I have a podcast show. I'm an inventor. I'm starting a brand new company, which can be worth a lot of money. I'm not successful. I've never claimed to be successful, but one day, things one day I might be successful. And right now the things that are kind of on the stove cooking can get me there. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of time. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's a little different for everyone simply because of the dynamic of the family, whether you're the oldest or the youngest ki- uh, child, <laughs> ask your youngest brother, right? Or your youngest sibling. When he leaves college and enters the workforce, he will be measured up to you. In his own head, he'll do it himself. No one will ever ask him or sell him, but he'll think it in his head. Why? Mm-hmm. Because every youngest sibling goes through that. Most of my friends who are younger siblings do that too. Yeah. It's like, it's not that we're competing against the older sibling. It's just our success measured up against theirs. And it's not fair because everyone's definition of success is different. Yeah. So we kind of trap ourselves in that mentality where it's like, oh, well, he's doing all of this. And I'm only doing this. I need to do something more to catch up. Not necessarily. It's how you define your your success. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's it's different. We we were raised completely different. Um, like my brother was more, uh, clo- or he was closer to my mother. I was closer to my father. So uh, for me, it was just like, all right, have a lot of responsibility at a young age. My brother's the opposite. Like yeah. actually, this weekend, um, you always see us out at the river and all that stuff. My brother has never gone out there by himself with friends. Uh, actually, I think maybe the first time was. I think last month mm-hmm. and you brought a couple friends over, but I was doing that like high school. Yeah. See, I was going out there with like 10 friends. Yeah. We're just like booze, you know, yeah, see, alcohol. High, like was, I would be like your brother. I would never do that shit in high school. Never. Nope. Nope. I'm good. If someone gets hurt, that's on me. Nope. I'm good. Not about that life, but I'm just like your brother in that regards. I would never really? do it. No, I, I, Telling you now, I would never do it. I man, mean, I was I, just like, man, I'm entertaining. All I, these people are going to have fun. Like, let's go. Even when I was in high school, right? And like my parents would go out of town. I would be at home. I would never have people over. I would never tell people my address. Because I didn't want people coming over. I'd go to their place. That's fine. <laughs> I hate cleaning. <sighs> That's one of the main reasons. I just didn't want to clean up after anyone else. Mm. It's like bad enough I have to clean up after myself. And I do. And I don't complain. But it's like, I don't want to have to clean up anyone else's mess. Man, for me, it was just like, if I threw <laughs> the biggest party and I have to clean up. I had, oh, well. a, I had a friend down the road who always threw ragers and stuff like that. And they were always like girls and booze. I was like, perfect. And it was down the street. I could ride perfect. my bicycle. I didn't have to go anywhere. I don't have to go to a freeway. It was literally like half a mile. I can wake up hungover. Don't have to worry about cleaning. Like, <laughs> dude, there was one time I woke up in his pool with floaties on. It was me, uh, him, my, my boy Hunter and uh, like these three random girls. And we're just like floating in the rafts in the pool. And like his younger brother was in high school with us too. So he came out like, like he was hungover and then he threw us a can and they hit one of us in the stomach. We all woke up. <laughs> and I have a feeling like the next, like the night before when I actually the party, they're just like, Hey, Josh, like take this beer bong. Then you're just out. after. The- I've actually well, never done a beer bong. After the first one. <laughs> I've never done a beer bong, but I know I was like drinking a lot of gin and vodka that night. <laughs> That's probably what's what did it. Oh man. I've you- never been a beer guy. Only hard alcohol. We'll take a champagne bong. <laughs> Did that oh, one time and God. it's rig break. That Had sounds a, like really, really painful. That's a lot of carbonation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, 
some of the stuff that he used to do like in uh college as far as drinking wise like yeah. i feel like it's so painful now but yeah like uh champagne bong a good friend of mine he, uh, his name's duck yeah. i'm gonna shout him out right now but it, <laughs> he's like do i bring the party do i bring the party champagne bong right now I was, like, <laughs> I was like what he's like well we don't got beer right now so he just sets it up it's just like it's a crack of dawn okay right? so uh, let me ask something when you were in college right and you went to like house parties and stuff what kind of alcohol would you bring? Were you first of all, were you the guest that would bring alcohol, or you just show up? I would just show up, baby. Oh wow, man, <laughs> you're one of those guys. I freaking hated those guys. Hey, come on! Like I went to a private school, so it's just like, hey, booze is gonna be on deck. Like, oh my god. Okay, so for those who went to public school, uh, I would bring booze, right? I'd always bring absolute vodka. I was really into it in college, but I had this weird, like, little disco case that came with one of the bottles I bought one time. Uh-huh. So I'd always bring that because I knew, like. If, if someone saw, I was like, oh, Yash is in the house. He's brought Absolute Vodka. Absolute Vodka, I never touch it now. But, um, but yeah, that was my thing. I was known as the Absolute guy. Absolute like, Every vodka. time I go to a house party, every weekend, I would bring a bottle of Absolute. Whether wow. it was like flavored or unflavored. And I would always bring it in that case. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was like a thing. <laughs> like, it was so weird. Like, all my friends just knew, like, they would just text me. We want pear instead of, like, tangerine. I'm like, pear, what the what the like? What the? Fuck? I'm not bringing fruit, guys. And they're like, "Don't, dude. Absolute pear." I'm like, "Oh, okay. You already know." <laughs> All right. So you're talking know. about college, though, like not yeah. high school. All right. So oh, college, high, high school, it was just so was when whatever. I could buy I would, alcohol, yeah. I, I I would. Well, bring I couldn't it. buy alcohol until I was a senior, but I would do that every year. Yeah, I, I never had a fake ID. Yeah, I never had a fake ID. Yeah. But like high school, I was just like, "All right, I'm gonna show up." But dude, like, yeah. In high school, I was a nerd. You, I told you about this. I was a nerdy Indian kid who like hung out with everyone but didn't drink. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't drink a lot in high school. Like, I mean, uh, I never really did, but um, no, I still brought the party. I no, still wanted to. Actually, a- I'll take the bag. If I drank in high school, it usually be at one of my friend's places where I'm crashing. Like, I knew I wouldn't drive. Yeah. I'm one of those people. If I touch alcohol, someone's got my keys. Uh, I was at most. That's why, like, that's why it was convenient for my friend to live down the road and party at his place. And his parents were super chill. They thought I was a responsible Indian kid because I'd make sure everyone was okay to get home. Mm-hmm. And then I would pass out. but they were amazing i still love them the love family is probably the nicest family i ever grew up with in corona they were super sweet i love them to death um but yeah they would always be like yeah as long as you're okay stay as long as you want as you touch alcohol give me your keys and Mm -hmm. mr lobo just take my keys i had no problems like go ahead take them i had no problem and he would know like if we're throwing a party he'd give me a parking space on the driveway Oh, I know nice. sucker parking on the cul-de-sacs and my car gets hit. <laughs> Fuck that shit. He like, no, put your car on the drive next to mine. I'm like, yes. And then he would go into his office and he'd work and we'd party. Yeah. And that was a weekend in high school. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, so, that's the good, shit it was, right it there. It was the good life, man. <laughs> that is the definition of success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those are good times, it's though. A, it's a good combo. Yeah. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, this is way off topic. Yeah. And I'm very sorry. What was your senior prank for high school? Oh shit. man, we didn't even. I don't even think we one? did one. Like, oh my gosh. Like it, it must have been so lame that we didn't do it. But like, I mean, we're in a private school, so yeah. like stuff like everyone knows each other. Like all the teachers know all the kids and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was just like they put out a notice. They're just like, hey, if you guys are doing a prank, like yeah. don't do it. Or like, okay, you know, okay. you guys so won't have a we, like, we grad did like night a or something. Series of things. Uh, they knew this was happening. Like mm-hmm. they sent out emails and like flyers to all the parents, all that shit. And then they were like, they were too stupid. They did it a month in advance, but they didn't know which week we were doing it. <laughs> they just said the whole month, and I'm just like, okay, cool. And I was one of those kids. Like I kind of knew a little bit of everyone, so we all kind of gathered in like through threads of text messages and like chat rooms, right? And we like coordinated all of our shit. So, like, we had, like, little, like, uh, what's called catapults in the houses, like, where our friends lived, right next to campus. And okay. because we couldn't get on campus to, like, throw paint or whatever, yeah. we would launch water balloons of paint over the street and hit the school with uh, the catapults. Oh, wow. Like, over the street yeah, and like, the fences. No, fences were, like, six feet. They weren't that high. I could clearly jump over. Oh, do you, have you seen them now? I feel like they're, they're like a little bit higher feet. now. Yeah, okay. But like if you're kind of, right? Yeah. You're using like a medieval catapult. <laughs> like the physics club put their shit together and made it awesome. And we had two of them. Wow. You had the nerds in there too. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you were there. Well, so. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then we had another, our campus was huge. It was massive, right? Our school was like 5,000 plus students. Yeah. Right. No, it's stupid. So on the other side from the baseball field, they, for some reason they thought we'd come in that way. So they put security on that side. Um, but they didn't 
didn't realize we had like a drone flying over, like watching everyone. And so like we just had everyone on, on Facebook threads like, oh, baseball fields are being occupied by security. Someone come in from the other side. Uh-huh. And like we super glued locks. We put salt on the grass to write 2008. What the hell? It kills the grass. So it yeah, burns no, no, it in. You, no so I'm just saying to, like you guys were... rip it all out. We so. took, uh, you know how like they had those metal like iron grid like benches? Yeah. We took those off with sockets and wrenches and put them on the roofs. <laughs> yeah, it was badass. What the hell, yeah. man? Like, and then we put like yeah, we tried to put plastic forks into the grass where we kill the grass, but it didn't work because we didn't have enough forks. We ran out, so only like one quad had all the forks, and then the rest was assaulted. Oh, <laughs> uh, the year my brother graduated from high school it was my freshman year in high school. They put a mattress in our pool. <laughs> God. And it was like a California king mattress, right? Trying to get that shit out. Oh, they used a tractor because it absorbed all the water and sunk oh, yeah. to the bottom of our Olympic-sized pool. So the swim team, which is also our water polo team, couldn't even lift it. They got a tractor out <laughs> no, to pull it out. Yeah, and even then, I'm pretty sure it struggled a little bit. <laughs> like, that thing was huge. But, um, yeah, we did a lot of senior pranks. Uh, we, we painted a lot of, like, of the staff – or the uh, what's it called? Like, the administrator's cars. Like during the day, we just threw buckets of paint on them. What the? Fuck? Yeah, it was hilarious. All right, no, okay, like teal, that's that's teal, a little too far, man. Teal, teal, black, and white. That's a little too far for me, dude. We only did one car because we only had to set it up for the next series of pranks. So what we did is we put, uh, you know, how, like you put like a car cover. Oh, you used to have one of these car covers, right? Yeah. Remember you had one for your Mustang? Yeah. Yeah. So we put one on each car, or like one on a car, put all the paint, let it drip around it, take it off, go to the next one, and do the same thing. So it looked like we painted all their shit. Okay. And it would freak them out. Got it. Okay. Because we only painted one car. Got it. And it was water paint. So it washed off anyway. Gotcha. And we told the teacher, hey, that's what's going on. Got it. And the whole administration, minus the principal, because we told him what we we're going to do. He was retiring that year, so he didn't care what we did. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. And he was just like, that's hilarious. So the next, like, after school ended, right, all the teachers are going back to their cars. They see all the paint splattered everywhere, and they're, like, looking for their cars. Like, wait, there's nothing wrong with my car. Why is my car surrounded by paint? Yeah. They were freaking out. We all got called in, all the seniors, into the gymnasium. Uh, all 1,042 of us. Jesus. No more senior breaks. And I was just like, everyone was kind of like looking at each other like, senior breaks are canceled. It's like, well, we're leaving anyways. Oh, no, 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 no. Not you, Damien. You getting held back. No, because we rewired the gym for our final prank to cover the entire gymnasium in confetti. So we didn't know they were having assembly because our spirit assembly was going to be like next week. And three of us had the controllers. So we're all kind of looking around. I think it was like the captain of the football team, uh, uh, the student association president and some random dude. I think it was the engineering kid who wired it for us, right? So we're all kind of looking around like like someone started looking up to the confetti bags, which we had put on the ceiling. They haven't noticed. And we painted it teal. So it blended in a little bit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like, so I'm just going to pull this on them. Because it was the entire administrative board. And then Mr. Cisneros, our principal in the front. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Mr. C won't care. It's confetti. <laughs> and I just like, I could just see the guy with the, with the clicker just holding it up. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> and he just clicks it and I see the other two clicks and just everything open and just a flood of confetti just land on top of them they didn't even cover the whole gymnasium just that uh, it was hilarious they looked like weird chickens or weird colorful chickens or pinata chickens. chickens because it stuck to them for some reason maybe they had stat or something but like some of it stuck to them and it was it was the funniest shit ever oh it was my the best God. day of my life y'all are savages oh yeah we used to get a little way with a lot of stuff at that school I don't remember anything. So Raiders where they'd be like, you know how you would see like people party in the parking lot, bring speakers and blast music a little bit. Yeah. So we used to do that in our school when we were seniors. Right. And we only got caught once by our principal who was retiring. Uh He rolls up and he recognizes some of us who were like student body presidents or club presidents. And I was one of those kids. And we had about good, maybe two, 300 kids out there. You know, no one was really drinking. We had like wine coolers and like, uh, it's a God. Smear off ice. I don't consider that alcohol. It's like soda. And we're like, we had music. White going. Claw Summer. <laughs> Seltzer water. Uh, with <laughs> um, alcohol. We had music blasting and people hanging out and everyone having a good time. It's basically like a street racing party. Kind of looked like that. Mr. C walks in, in his car, pulls up, realizes we cut the lock to the gate, looks at us, and he recognizes a lot of our faces. We're, we're all looking at each other like, fuck, we're about to get busted here. He walks up to, I think, three of us, and I was in, I was standing one next to one of the guys, and he's just like, I don't care what you do here. As long as you're safe, no one gets hurt, no one drinks and drives, replace the lock, and clean up after yourselves. 
And no damage. And no damage. <laughs> and no damage. Essentially no damage. Yeah. The three of us kind of look at each other like, fuck, did we just get a green light? <laughs> green light. Green light. I'm good. So we all kind of look at each other. We sent a text on the thread. Yo, everyone chip in like three, four bucks. We'll replace the lock and any kind of damage. We'll have a cleaning crew ready. We all put our money together. No problem. Got the lock and the chain replaced. There was no damage. There was no mess. We cleaned everything up. Done. Out. At 2 a.m. Hmm. We were partying on campus. Security wasn't there. Very nice. I don't know where they were, but they weren't there. Do they have like uh, 24 7 stuff? No. I think it's just they only have the 24 hour for prank week. Oh. Okay. But they, they think, oh, prank week is that week. But you just, if you're smart, you just do it another week. They don't realize that. We can mm. just change it at any time. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fluid. It's a fluid date. But they like, they literally had 24 hour security for that entire month. And from, I was with we're the still catapult getting away team. with shit. I was with the catapult team. Like we were just launching. Like they can't really blame me. I'm on someone else's property. Blue squad. <laughs> I, I literally had like, left. I had like 50 balloons filled with paint, like water paint. And I like tagged my school with giant paintballs. That's what it looked like because they were water balloons. <laughs> just imagine. And in our town, everyone likes paintball. So it's like giant paintballs hit the school. <laughs> it was magical. Not going to lie. <laughs> wow. No, that's that's a lot of crazy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what? I'm going to change my story. You know what? I just can't talk about it because it was so bad. Oh, man. No, I might uh, open myself up for private school pranks, huh? Yeah, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, man. Yeah, public school rejects, man. It's us. We hard. <laughs> we hard up in here. <laughs> did you have to wear a uniform? Yeah, of course we did. Oh, man, that's horrible. Not, I did that at elementary school, and when my parents moved into a public school, I was like, never again. Man, I had this, like, was that like the polo and, like, the khaki shorts? Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so we uh, – there was oh, like like time in June, my junior year, where I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna have my little rebellious stage, right? So instead of the polo, I'd yeah. wear just like a green like basketball shirt right. and all that stuff. So I'd go to all my classes, and you know, it wasn't until maybe like week three when like somebody's just like. Josh, are you are you supposed to wear that shirt right now? It's like, no, no, go go see the dean right now. So I was just like, no, nah, I'm not gonna go see the dean, you know. Like, so I was just like chilling with everybody at free period, you know. And then oh I think it was the next. So we had mass. Like, I think it was once a month. Yeah. Uh, so like, you have to wear a button up shirt, white button up shirt. I believe it was a tie and then like the khakis, right? <laughs> but I showed up to school with blue jeans, just a green shirt, like, <laughs> totally out of place. Everyone's in there just like, you know, they're buttoned up. So was, it, was this like a religious private school? Yes, it was It was a you, Catholic right, so, school. So I have a question for you. All right, Catholic school. Perfect. All right. Because I went to an all Christian school and I asked this question and a lot of people, like the, the principal thought it was cool and it was hilarious. Instead of the vice, or no, the vice principal ribbed me a new one, but the principal thought it was hilarious, right? Because I did something similar. Because when I was in elementary school, it was the khaki shorts and like a polo, right? White, yeah. blue, green. And I had like the little logo of the school. Mm. So one day I decided, <clears throat> and we had to dress up. It was for like the Christmas play or something like that. I didn't want to dress up. I just came in my regular uniform. And the like the principal, Mr. Oh, what's his name? Tyler? Terry? Terry Tyler? Whatever. The principal and the vice principal would come up to me like, like, my siblings went to this school. They knew who I was. I was the only brown kid in this, like, all-white Christian school. So I was like, all right. They come up to me, and they're like, why aren't you dressed up for, like, the little Christmas thing we're doing today? I'm like, if God loves me, doesn't he love me regardless of what I'm wearing? And they kind of just looked at each other. Come as you are, right? Doesn't he love me regardless of what I'm wearing? I mean, I'm not naked, but I'm in my uniform. But wouldn't he still love, love me? me? <laughs> wouldn't he still love me if I do everything he asks of me? And they kind of just looked at each other like, Shit, he's got a point. So the principal let me off, but I, I like got the evil death glare from the vice principal who scared the shit out of me as a kid Oof. because she was like one of those like very sharp, defined, like, bitch scary face. women. No, she, mm, I guess she did have resting bitch face. Now yeah. I think well, that wasn't a thing back then, right? When we were kids, resting yeah. bitch face was like when we were in college. Oh yeah, even you knew about it, but when like there was right? like that just. But that woman was scary. She was like the like the like Falcon scary looking woman that is constantly eye you like you can be dropping shit out the other side of the room and she'll see it just turning your head like an owl yeah <laughs> like if i put gum under my table or on my desk she's like you better pick up that gum i'm like wait how did you even see that your back's facing me <laughs> but when i said that line about like the clothing 
I, I thought it was the funniest shit in the universe because <laughs> the, I didn't get in trouble, but I just got like death stare. I was like, oh, all right, fine. Wow. So I went home and I had this big grin on my face. And like my brother's like trying to figure out like, how come you didn't dress up? It's like, I refuse to dress up. <laughs> and my, dad thought, my dad and my mom were like, wait, what do you mean you refuse? Like, well, he told you he had to do a Christmas thing. I didn't tell you that. So my mom and dad were like, so you lied to us? I'm like, no, I manipulated the truth. So I didn't have to be uncomfortable. And my parents were like, that's impressive. Because uh, I was like 10 when this happened. Oh, okay. I was a little kid. Yeah, elementary, elementary school. school. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. they were like, so what happened? As I told them, they were, just, they were laughing. They weren't even upset because I broke the rules technically. They, they weren't even upset. They were just laughing because they were like, our kid used their own rules in, in this school to do whatever he <laughs> needs to do. Them. Against them, basically. <laughs> and I was just like... Yeah, I basically did. And my dad, my dad was like laughing. He was like, he wasn't even upset. I'm like, I would think you'd be upset with me. And we're like, nope, it was good. So I was like, all right, cool. Good to know. But did you ever have any stories like that? Minus the basketball shirt thing? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like you were one of those guys who just, who just like, oh, I bet I can test it out today and see what happens. Uh, you know, like there was just you certain were. things that I tested out. Uh, that was one of the things. Um, I mean, they had a very strict uh, like dress code. But no. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of different examples i think with like our film uh video production class that we had okay. like we actually did you know these morning announcements and all that stuff and they yeah. used to be on video and all that stuff wait, wait, we wait, used hold to, up. you were an av kid something like that yeah, yeah you were oh my gosh okay this is gonna be i funny. mean partly like <laughs> come on, I, was a, I was a baller like i was i was cool that's how you know you were in the av camp <laughs> when you claim that Anyway, so we always, we always push the boundary. Like it was like the early day vine for us. It was okay. just like, all right, yeah. you know, we're going to make these short little sketches. But like each time we would just like, you know, push the boundary a little bit. Yeah. Um, I can't find like a perfect example because like I wasn't super overt with like my like you know, pushing against the rules. Like yeah, I was yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to, you know, like press a little bit, but nothing that like, was like super wild though. Oh. But <clears throat> okay. Do you remember when I used to tell you stories about my counselor, Steve Fuentes? Yeah. Like who helped me for the college stuff. When I didn't want to go to class, I just go hang out in her office and I just be like professor or teacher. I have to go see the guidance counselor. <laughs> I just, let's cross that way. Yeah. Just like chilling. I'm done. I'm <laughs> done learning about this shit today. I need to go see my counselor and just literally walk out the door. And so Fuentes was super chill. She'd run me the pass. Oh, Jesus Christ. I got I got away with a lot of shit in high school. I'm not gonna lie, and I had straight A's. Well, you know, so like, they couldn't say anything to me. I mean, I, I did I did as well, <laughs> but like I wasn't like trying to get in trouble like that. Well, I wasn't trying to get in trouble. I just I was sick and tired of learning about the same thing over and over. Probably like the biggest thing for me was uh, I threw um, an 18th birthday party my junior year. Okay, um, I graduated 19, but. Um, <clears throat> So 18th birthday party, I was just like, um, you know, we had a bunch of people there, but then I guess the next week we had a few, uh, cheerleaders that were kicked off the cheerleading squad. Oh, and sure. they was just like, Oh, like, you know, that's kind of weird. And then they started bringing people in the Dean's office. And I guess they're all people that ended up like at my party. And nice. I guess one of the things with the cheerleading squad, they had like a contract. If you were at a party with where there's alcohol, you have to leave or you, you know, he might get kicked off. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, somebody went to uh, a party and just had a couple of booze. Well, somebody went to the party and they're just like, hey, like, uh, I'm going to snitch some people out, you know? And oh, shit. So, yeah. So administration or the dean brings me in. She's like, so I heard you had a party. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, that shit was awesome. Like, <laughs> I was all bragging about it. They're just like, yeah, the, no, that's not conducive with like our religious values. <laughs> I was just like, what are you talking about? Like we had dancing. I mean, we had a whole bunch of stuff. We were swimming. That was great. And I was like, we heard there was alcohol there. I was like, what? I don't know anything. You should have, you should have dropped this line that just popped in my head. <laughs> Didn't Jesus turn water to wine? Oh, no, no, you should have dropped that no, line. No, you should be like, I have wine there. I'm not trying to get kicked I, out. I got that Jesus juice. I'm not trying to get kicked out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus Christ. No, you can't kick me out. Oh shit. Oh man. But, um, <laughs> anyways, I would laugh so hard if you said that. So, so we had we had this. Um, I think it was like Sister Mary, uh, this older woman, right? Uh, probably in her eighties. Sister 80s. Mary, by the way. Oh, she, you know, just yeah. celibate nun, like all the, the whole nine yards. But anyways, so uh, 
I think she gave my father a call. She's like, hello, this is Sister Mary from Notre Dame. And we heard that your son might have had a party last weekend. <laughs> my dad's like, yeah, he had a party and all this stuff. And he was just going along with it. And there's like, and we heard that there's alcohols. And he's like, oh, I don't think there's any alcohol. If there was, then, you know, it wasn't. But yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it. And then it's like, well, do you think it's appropriate to have that environment with a bunch of kids and all that stuff? And he's like, no, definitely not. But, you know, if I knew about it, I would have put a stop to it. But, you know, these are high school kids. Like, you know, <laughs> he's just like, I'm not going to be, you know, like this. Like, uh, I'm not going to get pinned for this, but I'm going to play the role. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not going to have this like hovering dad like mode and all that stuff. And they're just like, okay. You know, yeah, like, I know, right? Yeah. So I was oh, like, man. thanks, dad. Like, <laughs> so it was, uh, that was, that was probably the closest I was to like getting kicked out of school, but Ooh. it wasn't even that close. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been close to being kicked out of school, but we got away with a lot of stuff there. It was hilarious. I loved high school. It was so easy. <sighs> yeah. Was. Life was simple. It was. <laughs> it, it really, really was. It was a lot of fun. But, oh, man. But I don't know. I don't even know how we got like this. <sighs> this part of the conversation how but we, it was how we define life <laughs> yeah. or how we define success in different chapters of life and then we started talking about success in different aspects and we veered into our younger days yeah there and we that's go. that's where we that uh, was the play-by-play that's where we kind of broke into this um, <laughs> just jumped off the deep end yes <laughs> Uh, that's All great. Right. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So for you listeners, hope you enjoyed this as well. Uh, any last words for the, for the folks? Uh, define success the way you want to. That's all I got. There we go. All right. You hear it here first. Josh and Yash podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Yo. Thanks again, listener, for tuning into the podcast. We do appreciate any comments or feedback on any sort of channels where you're listening to the podcast right now. Actually, this is an interactive experience. So if you are interested in leaving us a voice message, you can download the Anchor app, which is on Apple or Google Store. Once you download the app, you can find us and leave an audio message, which will be played back on the next episode right here. And you will be featured and you'll be tagged and all that good stuff. So leave us some feedback and also an audio message. It does help us. Again, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can find us at calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. Again, that's calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. See you next time.